0: now for scoops with danny mack the podcast on 101 espn
1: you want baseball we got baseball starting tonight we got a bunch of it coming up after a week of non-baseball because of the positive test for the st louis cardinals get into that in just a moment Alex Ferrario will join me in studio next segment. And of course, we get into your text messages. Six, five, seven, eight, zero. Dan McLaughlin with you. This is scoops with Danny Mack, the Friday edition. And remember, we have uh, Cardinal baseball coming up tonight on Fox Sports Midwest. Six, five, seven, eight, zero air comfort service text line. And love to get the uh, text messages and mix those in as we move along on The show. So we've got John Lester going against Daniel Ponce de Leon. It is the return of baseball tonight. And what do you expect? Because I really don't know. I'm not sure you do either. It's been, well, over a week since we last saw St. Louis Cardinal baseball. Got Tommy Edmond in short, you got Carp at third, you got Matt Weider's catching. We know Yachty's out, DeYoung is out, Cody Whitley would have been in high leverage situations. You've had pitchers that haven't been on the mound for over a week. You've got batters that haven't seen uh, live action for over a week. You got John Lester who was really using his changeup effectively in his last start. Anytime that you're not seeing live pitching, and you got a guy that's really smart and, and I mean he's really smart. He's thirty-six now. Um, obviously a guy that's had great success and now mixing in a change up more than ever. That's a tough matchup. You just don't know what to expect. So I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, Scotty. I'm just, I'm fascinated with what comes out of this game tonight for Mike Schilt and the Cardinals.
2: I'm so excited just to watch some Cardinal baseball tonight that these seven days, Dan have felt like the entire off season. Well, like, they
1: have It's been so long. I, I, but you know, I'm, well, I'm excited, but I mean, I'm from the baseball perspective, I just don't know what to expect. You know, When you've got this much time off and you're playing a major league team that's very good in the Chicago Cubs um, and you're the Cardinals, how tough is this going to be tonight? How tough is this going to be tonight? Um, Or you look at it the other way and the Cardinals just come out and say, the hell with it. We're getting after it, man. We know we're in a very, very tough situation. Very tough. And we say, hey, we're going, we we have it. look, we've been in our hotel room for six days. We get to play baseball. Let's go. Let's go. Let's have some fun with it. So Mike Schill was on a Zoom call yesterday with the media. And if you want baseball, you're going to get a ton of it. Barring any more outbreaks with uh, major league teams certainly with the Cardinals. They've got now 55 games in 52 days. I think the
3: more we play baseball, the better. You know, yeah. that's what we're here for. And we look forward to the opportunity to play. There's there's no doubt about that. And this group will welcome it with open arms.
1: You bet. And that's how Mike handles every situation. Every situation. Uh, Danny Mack, why isn't um, uh, Flaherty starting tonight? I thought he was due to start tonight. Well, the Cardinals... Wanted to go with Ponce de Leon because he is the last guy that started. So he has been the one that, at least in terms of the closest to pitching, is the guy that's uh, (laughs) at least the last one to be on the mound. And Flaherty hasn't pitched on a mound in a live game in two weeks. Opening day was two weeks ago. So they wanted to give him a bullpen. He would go presumably on Sunday. So the way that the rotation lines up, and that is from the 618, is that you've got Ponce de Leon tonight, Wayno tomorrow, Flaherty then on Sunday, Pittsburgh in town on Monday, you would go with uh, Dakota Hudson on Monday, and then Kim, who's back in the rotation, he would go on Tuesday. Uh, Mike Schill was asked about the concern for player health effect, uh, affecting in-game decisions.
3: Again, we're not going to, we're going to hear on the side of caution, you know, and it's, guys are going to want to compete you know they're going to do their part they're going to communicate with us like we talked about you know we've had good dialogue with the pitchers and the position players the last couple of days especially the pitchers um and just to be continual dialogue and and yeah it'll absolutely impact how we manage games and navigate games um but we'll do it for the for the sake of the players health. and um you know the good news is we we do have the ability to pass the ball around as mad dog was saying and and also, as Mad Dog would say, you know, we talk about being elite adjusters and, you know, we, we get the opportunity to, to do that and prove that and and um, live that every day.
1: Last time out, Ponce de Leon struck out eight and three and two thirds. That first inning, 31 pitches, and it was either 24 or 25 fastballs. And then Yachty started mixing in the breaking ball. And that's when you saw a bunch of strikeouts. So we'll see how deep he goes in the game tonight. As I mentioned yesterday, you want to see a lot of the the bullpen guys get at least, I would think, this weekend an inning or two. They haven't been in competitive games. I mean, Jack Flaherty's throwing against a mattress. Okay, so you want to get these guys innings. However, if you're Mike Schilt, you balance also being competitive in games. You're trying to win. So let's just say Jack, or rather, uh, Ponce gives you four or five innings, and you're leading the game. Then player X or pitcher X gives you a solid inning. And it's Gomber who's been stretched out. And you'd love to say, well, we're we're leading this game. Do we give him another inning or are we better going with another pitcher and then another pitcher after that? Because we're trying to give them innings for the long term of what is seven weeks, because we gotta get guys sharp. I, I just think that part is fascinating moving forward and that's part of what he's talking about the health of these guys not just for the weekend but for next week against Pittsburgh and so on and so forth Um, is he confident that all relievers are ready to go in this weekend series yeah I
3: mean clearly you know Alex and and Cabrera and Ramirez have been getting work so um, you know Tuesday lined up we set it up ideally for for Alex and Cabrera to, to throw and get extended a little bit and have, you know, Wednesday, Thursday off to be ready to pitch tomorrow. Um, But I feel like, you know, like I said, guys got – the good news about the twin series was every reliever got touches. So, um, you know, the break, albeit a little bit longer, guys have pitched as recent as possible. Some of the new guys you mentioned, Jeff, have gotten some touches. So, um, you know, we'll be smart here getting them back into it. Everybody felt good prior to, and, you know, we'll we'll continue to be smart moving forward with them.
1: I'm really interested with, and I'm always interested in watching Alex Reyes. And I thought at the end of last season, Henesis Cabrera came onto the scene and, you know, his long-term future, who knows, might be a starter. Same thing with Alex Reyes, but those two guys, man, they got talent. And, you know, apparently... Alex has looked sensational down in Springfield. Now our information that we get from Springfield camp is limited with those camp uh, updates. Who knows, but what I've been getting some of the info, the reports have been good. So he feels comfortable using those two. We'll see how far he goes with them.
3: Let's remember. There's a reason they were in Springfield to start. They got a late start to our camp after a long break. And so it took us a while to, you know, they really didn't get a lot of work in with us, and they were able to get work in consistently. Um, so they're still, I mean, they haven't pitched in a in a game. Um, they just pitch in simulated games, and that's what it is, you know. Um, so it's clearly different, and you know, we'll we'll use the eye test to, to see how they look, and and um, we're not gonna, it don't feel, not gonna feel too comfortable extending them too far so in their first couple outings
1: so we'll see how it uh, progresses with those two and we're talking about uh, those two probably being available maybe more so than the other guys moving forward we'll see with cabrera and reyes cardinal baseball and that's coming up tonight on fox sports midwest what about the blues so far exhibition against the hawks lost that game they lost against Colorado. They lost last night. Alex Ferrario, he's coming up in studio. And the text line is open 65780. This is 101 ESPN.
0: More of what
1: you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
0: We know that Vegas and Colorado will play for the top two seeds in the West. So the top seed in the East and the top seed in the West will not be that. The ones that were there at the pause will not be that way come the first round of the playoffs with Boston having gone winless, as the Blues have. And it will be the Blues in Dallas on Sunday playing for the number three and four seats.
1: Final call from last night. You heard the game on 101 ESPN, and the Blues have yet to win a game up north in the bubble. Craig Barubi none too pleased after the game and he said they're just not playing up to their potential
4: coming into this into this uh playoffs here um this round robin i don't you know i'm not sure that you know our guys you know have really brought the intensity to the first two games that's needed i think in the colorado game there was there was good spurts of it at times but um you know right now Um, these two games, I think that uh, the other teams have been more competitive and more hungry than we have. Um, You know, whether we thought it was going to be easy coming in here, you know, in these round-robin games, but, you know, for me, they're, you know, they're compet- They're pretty competitive teams. We both we played here, both both of them, and uh, our compete level has to come way up.
1: And where has been the offense? The Blues outshot Craig Berube thirty eight seventeen.
4: You know, we had the puck in the offensive zone, and they went and took it from us. That's basically what it boiled down to. Um, you know, you have to compete hard with it uh, if you want to keep it. You got to have people around it. They outnumbered us at times. They they were more hungry than we were, and so. When, when, when you play like that and the other team's more hungry, they're going to take the puck from you. That's Col- what they did.
1: Colton Pareko and the Blues then on Sunday will face the Dallas Stars.
0: For us coming into Sunday, it's going to be about building our game, uh, making sure we're where we want to be going into Sunday and uh, just having that confidence and just knowing where where our game can be. So we're we're a good team when uh, we're all working together and uh, working hard. So it's, uh, it's going to be a good one Sunday. We said earlier that Dallas always plays us well and, They're always exciting games and um, we're just going to have to make sure we bring it.
1: All right. Let's bring in Alex Ferrario. He was part of the broadcast team last night on one Oh one ESPN and uh, the blues. Lose to Vegas, so they are winless since they've gone up north in the bubble. And, uh, Alex, what was your takeaway from last night? Not great, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) Not great at all. You know,
5: I've been talking about this since they got into the bubble and talking about, you know, after three games of round robin, if they come away with a zero in the win column, I won't be upset as long as it feels like they're progressing forward. They did that from the Chicago to the Avalanche game, but last night felt like a downward spiral a little bit. Goaltending wise was strong. I mean, Bennington looks like he is in the middle of playoff form right now. Offensively, you had chances, but it wasn't great. I mean, nine of your seventeen shots came from your defensemen; mm. six of them from Colton Pareko. Um, Defensively, way too loose, and it just exactly what Craig Berube said, Dan. It was it felt like the Vegas Golden Knights were the hungrier team once the second period puck dropped, and then from there the Blues got caught. Puck watching a lot. They got caught off of the forecheck, and they let guys behind them, which is just not at all Blues hockey. Five seven three, Alex.
1: How did the Blues get their power play together?
5: I think that's going to take time. And I talked about this last time in the post game. You can talk about the chemistry on the offense at five on five, and you can talk about the defensive game. Power play is something that comes with time. Now, first of all, take into consideration, you didn't have two of your weapons on each power play unit. Robert Thomas was playing on that second power play unit. Tarasenko has gone back and forth. So you're going to get some of that kind of off without those guys out there. But more importantly, it just right Last night, guys were too close together. The puck movement was getting shot into the pads of the Vegas Golden Knights goaltender. I think the power play is going to come with time. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to just be fine. Like You have issues right now in terms of putting Puck on net, but I think right now that you just need to give them a couple of more reps that's not at practice. I think once you get into that first round, the power play is going to start seeing more reps and you're going to start taking advantage of that.
1: What has been your takeaway then from as you're watching some of these games and the Blues are in this kind of round-robin deal and you know figuring out where they're weighted in the yeah. system, but what, as you're watching the other the playoff games, what, what, what's your takeaway now as you watch the Blues as opposed to some of these other teams?
5: You can tell in the qualifying rounds, Dan, that there there's a backs against the wall mentality. I was watching that Calgary Winnipeg game last night. I mean, it was incredible. But I mean, a team like the Winnipeg Jets with their backs against the wall, Calgary was acting like, hey, we're going to, you know, quote unquote, what Doug Armstrong is famous for saying, jam the knife into the brain and kill the opponent. That's what Calgary did. For the round-robin games, you know, the Blues seem to be the anomaly, although Dallas is kind of in the same sense, to where it still feels like they're getting their legs underneath them. Colorado, despite two victories, hasn't looked the greatest. I mean, against the Blues, they stuck with them until a tenth of the second left in the regulation. That goes to overtime. Who knows what the outcome of that one is? Up until midway through that third period last night, Dan, the Blues were in the lead against the Vegas Golden Knights. So they've competed with the opponents. It's just that do-or-die mentality. I think if you're the Stanley Cup champions watching the Blues play compared to the other teams, you're thinking, I just want to get into a game that matters. And I know round-robin matters. Yes, the players talk about that. Baruby said it after the game. You know, these I'm preparing as if these are playoff games. But in a player's mind, locked in a bubble, two weeks already, you're not used to this get me to an elimination game. I think that's what they're wanting, and I know that sounds like, oh, well, they better start getting to their game faster, but for right now, they look like a team that's just waiting to play meaningful games.
1: What uh, players have stood out positively for you and negatively for you? Well,
5: Bennington 100% right now is as positive as can be, and that was the last game you'll see until you get into the first round because Allen's playing Sunday against Dallas. Um, I thought Justin Falk still stood out to me last night, and I mean, this was a guy who played about 20 two minutes of ice time for you but this was a guy who defensively was very strong on the puck even though uh, even with
1: the one that went off escape
5: even with the one that went off escape but you know what jay bowmeister used to have pucks go off his state right. all the time and everyone blamed him for it those are gonna happen. Um, offensively, it's hard to say guys really stick out to you so far, but Ryan O'Reilly has stuck out to me because I mean he's got three assists so far, and he seems to be in the center of the play nonstop. By the way, he also went like uh eighty nine percent from the faceoff circle last night. I think awesome. it was I think it was like thirteen for sixteen from the faceoff or something like that, which was incredible. Zach Sanford, uh sneaky right now. He had two assists last night in the game. And then Perron. David Perron. Yeah. That line has stuck out to me. The sad part is Shen and Schwartz have had a good uh, two games so far. They just don't have a, a winger. Tarasenko played two games. He looked good in one. The other one, he was off. Jordan Kairou last night, nine minutes, really short sample size. Um, you know, the fourth line's missing Ivan Barbashev. The third line was missing Robert Thomas last night. But for me, the the, the good that has stuck out has been that line of O'Reilly, Perron, and Sanford. The bad right now. I would say it's that third line and no disrespect to them because they've created chances. But without Robert Thomas, Sammy Blay and Tyler Bozak were kind of out there. Troy Brower looked like he was an upgrade for that line last night, scoring the goal. But I don't know if Troy Brower is a third line player. If he's playing for, you. he's playing on the fourth line. Uh, defensively, Marco Scandella hasn't looked the same since the pause. I mean, this team went eight, no with Scandella in the lineup when they traded for him. And Craig Berube wasn't happy with, Pareko, Scandella, Petrangelo going into last night's game. That's why he kind of jumbled up those D pairings. So it, defense in a whole hasn't looked great to me, but specifically Marco Scandella doesn't look like the same player.
1: What happens now with Barbashev? He comes back home, they they have the baby, and then what, what goes on now? So
5: right now he's in St. Louis, as everyone knows. He's waiting for the birth of his first child. So once he has the birth and he decides when he wants to return to the bubble, which I would imagine if you're Barbashev, you want to make sure your wife and your kid is healthy, and then you'll probably try and get back to Edmonton. So when he gets back to Edmonton, he's got to quarantine for four days. And in those four days, he has to have four negative consecutive COVID tests. So as soon as he has those four and he quarantines for four days, he's allowed to be back with a team. So I would imagine when he's ready to return, watch for him to be back on the ice as soon as possible, unless somebody takes over. McEachran didn't look good last night and he is Craig Berube's guy. He looked slow. He just didn't look like what the fourth line needs. Watch for Troy Brower to be on that fourth line on Sunday against the Dallas Stars. If Brower continues to play the way that he plays, I wonder if he kind of pushes Barbashev out. But they're going to get Barbashev back as quick as they can, and when they feel like he's ready to go, because he's a difference maker. Dan, I mean. Go back
1: to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. That one game he was oh, yeah. out, he got bounced. And last night, that fourth line looked slow. So what's it like today? So they play last night. What are the players and, and what are they doing today? I mean, they're, they're going to go over tape. They're going to go over the the game plan and yep. various things for Dallas. But it, a lot of it is in review of last night. And then what do they do to stay busy? Yep. You, give me an idea what's going on.
5: Well, in terms of on-eyes, I'm curious with this one as well. Joe and I talked about this last night. You know, They had the day off earlier this week after their game on Sunday. They took Monday off and then they to Tuesday Wednesday I would be surprised if they get another day off I would I wouldn't be surprised if they're on the ice later today practicing practicing tomorrow I think right now the physicality is the part that Craig Berube is going to be working on making sure that they're fast onto the puck making sure that the forecheck is staying consistent and making sure they're not allowing plays to get behind them so I would imagine defensively they're going to be focused on that for the next couple of days before Dallas and then in terms of off the ice, Dan, this is the part that surprises the hell out of me. You know, Braden Shen talked with uh, with, a, with us on a Zoom call yesterday, and you could just kind of tell the the staleness right now in the bubble. Edmonton bubble's different than the Toronto bubble right now. Toronto guys have more opportunities to be out and about playing golf. Edmonton guys right now are kind of contained in this bubble, and they're really not getting out as much. So so what do they do? Right now, it's, it's your playing video games in your room if you're a video game guy you're going to a lounge and you're watching television or you're just hanging out with some buddies or you're going to rogers arena and watching games or you're just sitting in your room i mean that's what it feels like right now for these guys and i truly believe that's affecting the play on the ice dan i mean think about it you get into the bubble you play chicago then you got three days off you play Colorado, then you got another three days off, you play Vegas, now you got another two days off, and you play Dallas. Like This is not an easy thing for these guys to balance of, okay, jump up on your jets and get going against the Colorado Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, turn it off and don't do anything for three days until you're back in action. That, to me, is the biggest hurdle that they have to find a way to get over before they get into this first round.
1: I'm seeing a trend as I watch these games. You follow it closely and a and- I do. But the the teams that have any kind of speed They're they're flying out there, and that's what I'm seeing right now. If you've got speed, because it's a restart of this league, you 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 got an edge. Yeah, that's what it is right now, hundred percent. And you know, go back and
5: I know Chicago's leading that series, but go back and look at that series that McDavid scored the hat trick, Dan. Yeah, I mean the speed of McDavid beat the Chicago Blackhawks, the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. They were down three to nothing, and their speed and aggressiveness beat the Maple Leafs in overtime, four to three. Speed right now is a factor. I don't know if it's going to be a factor when you get into the best of seven because those physical teams are going to get into their rhythm of hockey. But right now, one mistake, one missed forecheck, one missed timing opportunity. And Rivs and I talked about it in the pregame show yesterday. Right now, you're looking at a tenth or two tenths of a second off for these guys and they're back checking in the gaps. That's allowing teams to capitalize. So right now, speed is taking advantage of those moments. One missed check. And that player that has the speed ability, Nathan McKinnon, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who scored for Columbus Le trick last night, Connor McDavid, one missed check, one missed four check, one missed assignment, that player is off to the races and it's beating guys. So I think that will turn out to even itself out when you get into the best of seven. But at least for this qualifying round, while these physical teams are trying to amp everything up and get the timing down, speed is taking advantage of that. What have you thought of Petro? I've liked him. Um, he he looked a little slow to me last night. In uh, it's just not to me. The, everybody looks a little slow. Everybody does. It's just not the same. Petro, Dan, you know, yeah. like Petro's a kind of guy who he makes those smart decisions when he's in a jam. He's never getting beat off the puck. He's never letting guys behind him, and that's happening. But I don't blame all of that on Petro. He's still looking for that that pairing D person that was Jay Bomeester for so long, and last year it was Carl Gunnarsson. Well, last night he started off with Marco Scandella. They've never played before. Then it turned into Justin Falk. They played before, but it didn't work out the best towards the end of the season. Then Vince Dunn was up on that. So he's not seeing a consistent pairing player, and I think that's affecting the decision-making. Joey was talking about it on a goal that was allowed when Petro was on the ice last night. Petro usually makes one decision where he's in the corner and he moves the puck up. Well, this time, the D pair, Marco Scandella, was in the corner of Petro's spot, so he has to adjust on the opposite side of the ice, and he's taken off his game just like Scandella is. So Petro's still Petro. Petro is still going to be the best defenseman on the ice for the team. I think, one, it's timing still. Defensemen have talked about this. Petro said it uh, going into the bubble. You can't prep for the opponent as a defenseman. You have to take that opponent on to get those reps and timing down. That's going to come with time, but I would be really curious if Craig Berube goes back to a Carl Gunnarsson with Petro, somebody he's comfortable with so that he can get into his rhythm. A
1: question here. Once big boy hockey starts, the teams <laughs> with size will take over. What do you think? I think that's true. I mean, look, it, people are looking at the seating
5: right now. to where the blues are the number three or the number four saying, well, what the hell? These guys should have been the number one seed. It doesn't matter. Every team in this playoff format that the Blues could be playing in the first round in a 7-game series. I like the Blues because in a 7-game series, you have to beat these guys 4 times. And again, the physicality's not there, the intensity's not there, it seems timing is off, but when you're playing every other day, 7 games, you're going to get that timing down. And I think the physicality is going to take a toll on teams that aren't ready for it. Right now speed's taking advantage. But imagine those guys when they're getting slammed against the boards consistently or seven hits by a Sammy Blay and seven hits by an Ivan Barbashev. I think physicality
1: is going to take its toll on a team in a seven-game series. It's just a matter of getting the timing down. So Sunday's game, uh, and in terms of where this lines up, what does that mean, or who they may play in that
5: round? So I was looking at this last night, and, and you know Calgary finished off Winnipeg last night. So Calgary's the first team in the Western Conference to kind of be done with their series, and they're the number eight seed. So right now the Blues can either be number three or number four. If they beat Dallas, they're three. If they lose, they're four. If it plays out the rest of the way, and look, there's still a lot of things that can happen, but if you finish off the series with who's in the lead right now, so let's say Chicago finishes off Edmonton, let's say Arizona finishes off Nashville, and Vancouver finishes off Minnesota. If you're the three seed, you're taking on the Calgary Flames. If you're the four seed, you're taking on the Vancouver Canucks. And in my eyes, those two matchups are very ideal for the Blues Because they're a physical team, but a team that likes to use speed. And as we saw the Blues do that against the Dallas Stars, the Winnipeg Jets, and the San Jose Sharks last year, they can have their advantage. But again, that could change. If Edmonton fights their way back, or if you see Nashville fight their way back, things can still flip-flop. But if you're looking at it now, and things play out the rest of the way, and teams finish off their series three seed you're playing calgary four seed you're playing the vancouver canucks great stuff danny it's always great to catch up with you buddy alex ferrario
1: on 101 espn more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mack in podcast form on 101 espn 65780 that is the text line Scoops of Danny Mack. Great job by Alex Ferrario breaking down last night's Blues game. Next Blues game will be Sunday. uh Okay, what about the DH? Danny Mack. How about O'Neill left, Bader center, Thomas in right, Dex DH? I think you're going to get some of that because they're going to play so many games in a short amount of time, especially in September. Um, and I think you have to be flexible with this roster. I think you're going to get Kisner a little DH potentially. Now you're saying, well, what about the catcher? Well, and I mentioned this yesterday and I do see how you could do this. You could do both. You could put weeders at DH. And if a guy gets hurt, you could put him in catcher. I do though, like the availability of having my catcher on the bench. The other thing about this too, is that I think you're going to get a lot of Brad Miller as your designated hitter going forward. Um, And I know a lot of people are saying, what about Dylan Carlson? Well, you haven't given Lane Thomas a run yet. That, that's something you have to keep in mind as you go forward. Lane Thomas has started one game. And I think he's pinch hit twice this far in the games that they played. Lane Thomas has got to get his run. And the Cardinals, true to their word, have said, Bader's going to get a chance. O'Neill's going to get a chance. Lane Thomas gets a chance. And true to their word, they're going to give him the chance. Um, so Bader has not had a great start so far. O'Neill, I would imagine he bats cleanup tonight. You're without DeYoung. O'Neill's had a pretty good start. He would be my guy at cleanup. That's the direction I would go. Danny Mack, KK now in the cl- uh, rotation. Who's the closer? I'm going Helsley. And I-, I think this is an opportunity for the Cardinals to find out about a few things. One, one would be... Helsley is a future closer and I've been saying that two years ago if you've ever heard me talk about Ryan Helsley I've been so high on this kid I think he's got great stuff the question will be consistency with the breaking ball what does not take a night off is his fastball (laughs) it's 98 to 100 and it's triple digits and it's nasty Um, the other one will be Tommy Edmund at short let's find out if he can play short I think that's something that we'll see starting tonight. Uh, Kisner, a catcher. And I did those streaming games. I really think he has improved defensively. Now, those are streaming games, those are inter squad games. And that's not when the lights are on, so to speak. So that's something you have to consider. Uh, Danny Mack, isn't Brad Miller a better defender than Carpenter? I-, I wouldn't say that. I, You know, Carpenter's fine at third. Is he going to win a gold glove? Probably not, but he's fine. Um, But this is something to consider going forward Is that Carpenter is more than serviceable at third You can play third Scott, you're looking at me You want to ask a question
2: I was going to say We brought this up earlier this morning And I I want you to finish this sentence for me, All right? This ought to be be good You will be excited tonight If the Cardinals Play Nothing else? Just want to play? Yeah Yeah well, I mean, I was think I was presenting it to them Because I think it could go from as simple as play to as play. Com- complex as you wanna make it. No, play. Haven't played in over a week. Hey, I think that's what a lot of fans are thinking too. They just wanna see the they play. just wanna see the dang game. Um Yeah,
1: that's what I wanna see. Um yeah. We're we're trying to play baseball in a pandemic. Yeah. That's what I want. I wanna see him play. I like it. Um, and I'm not trying to be funny about it. I, I'm being dead serious. You know, this is, you're not in a bubble. Um, and that goes for the rest of Major League Baseball, too. You know, I mean, it's, you've seen the protocols that are out and you've seen how baseball is, is really trying to take this, obviously serious from day one, but, you know, they're asking the players to go from the hotel room to the bus, to the ballpark, socially distance, wear a mask if you're not in the game finish the game, get on the bus, go to your room. And that's it. I mean, that literally is it. That's how they're going to try to get through the next seven weeks and then another month of postseason baseball without a bubble. It's going to be tough. Um, So, yeah, what was the question again? You'll be excited tonight if the Cardinals play. And then what's the question tomorrow? You
2: will be excited tomorrow if the Cardinals play. On Sunday? Play. And the rest of Major League Baseball? Play. How cool is it? 30 teams are going to play tonight. Yeah.
1: I mean, and that's... I'm I'm, I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, it's... This is a massive undertaking, man. I mean, it's... You know... um, And that's where I'm at. I mean, after watching what they've gone through in the last week, that's how I approach it. And it's not just the players. And I'm, I'm very thankful of what the players are trying to do. I really am. And um, there were friends of mine, too, that don't wear that uniform, but yet represent the Cardinals that were sitting in the hotel room for six days. They did not leave their room. They could not step outside their room for six days. Now, think about that. I mean, honestly, think about that. (laughs) So this goes beyond, you know, will Carlos Martinez come back in the rotation and... Will Paul DeYoung be the cleanup hitter in two weeks? I mean, let's look at it from a human side here. I don't think people, and I understand fans sometimes don't want to talk about that. They're worried whether Dylan Carlson gets brought up. I get it. I think about that stuff too, but there is a human element to this to just get back on the field and play tonight. Let's get to 7 o'clock and play. That's where I'm at. Am I excited to come back to the ballpark? You're damn right I am. I'm pumped. It's what I do for a living, but you know, there's, there's more to this too. I just, I'm excited just to play and then come back tomorrow and play. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at with this man. Um, let's see. Will the Cardinals re-sign Yachty after the season again? Let's just get through the night. Do I think it's going to happen? Yes. I think he'll retire a Cardinal. Absolutely. By the way, Yachty was in incredible shape and is in incredible shape. Um, And so that's why When I was watching him play And watching him move behind the plate He was moving like he was 21 years old It's unbelievable How he was throwing Rockets So I didn't see him missing a beat defensively Now what would that have meant offensively <clears throat> I'm not sure I, I, We're going to see it again He's going to get back out there and his goal, by the way, was to play all 60 games and beyond if they made it into postseason play. And he will get back out there. No, and Yachty, he'll, he'll get back out there. That's not going to be a problem for him, at least I don't think. So do I think they'll resign him to ask, answer this question from the six three six? Do I feel they'll resign him after the season? Yes, I think he'll retire a Cardinal. I think it goes beyond not only what he means as a player um, because he still has skills that mean something. But he is the face of this franchise. So, yes, I do think that they'll re-sign him. Um, All right. By the way, I was going to – hey, Ryder, I was going to stick to the clock, too. I was pretty good today. Ryder, I was pretty good. Very good. Close. All right, I got to stick to the clock. All right, I'm going to take a break and then (laughs) – very good. I'm going to cross it over with Ribs and BK coming up next. All right, Ribs BK, it's the weekend. Uh, BK, what do you have coming up? Because I know you work really hard on this show. Ribs just, you know, slides on in, gives hot takes. He comes in around 10.50. He leaves at
0: mm, two. Fifteen or so, yeah. on a good day. Yeah, yeah. When he's Guys, really working hard. After the I'm show. ignoring both of you because I had a struggle with my headphones again today, and I can never Shocking. get signed on properly. So whatever, talk your game. Yeah, the other day he was like, "Hey, what's on the rundown?" Because I can't find it. <laughs> uh-huh. So <laughs> right. today we've got Luke Horak coming up at 11:30. Uh, we got to talk about that Blues performance from. Ribs not happy, night. Uh, nor should he be, frankly. And Dan, yeah, this Matt Weeters brad miller thing yeah i don't understand it what so part we'll of talk it? about that what part well why are we doing this they've got andrew kisner why are we going with the 35 year old catcher that hasn't been good in eight years
1: and then uh the miller thing with dh yeah why why at third base with brad miller why not put carpenter
0: there and one of your outfielders that you need to see at bats for ribs and bk they are
1: <laughs> coming up next You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.